like, it goes beyond that feeling of getting choked up and wanting to cry, even though you know, it, you're almost in, it's like a crazy feeling because you're almost in like the Joker delusional, like I'm going to cry and I'm laughing hysterically because I'm crying kind of thing where like you get this weird, it's like, it's a burst of adrenaline emotions because when, while you're doing it, when you take a second to realize and look and see the light on the audience, when they light up the audience, that there's a lot of people, like you see the circle, the big circle pit happening. I'm like, fuck, they're slam dancing to my music. Like, when you see it in a big level, it's, and don't get me wrong, it's fun in a small level when you have a hundred people in a room and it, that's great too because the audience is right next to you. But to be up on that stage and like to see that, it's like, it's fucking crazy, dude. It's like, you feel like you're kind of dreaming. It feels like a dream. No, that's awesome, brother. I mean, it sounds like one of the most memorable experiences you've probably had in, in your in your career and the, so far. And uh, shoot, man, we're we're over an hour in here. I, I do want to get to some wrestling here uh, to close out the show. Um, I mean, it's gonna be hard to top that. You know what I mean? In the music world, to to be able to do what you did with with Floggy Molly, uh, that's that's awesome. Well, wait and, a minute now. I got I got to do a lot of cool things in wrestling too. Like, oh no, that's and, what, that's and, what I'm and, saying. And art in general, like. Everything I've done in my 15 years I've been in Northern California has been good in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's just hard to see when you're in a smaller, when you have the smaller perspective. But when you look, now that you're reminding me, you're, you're making me look back on it. It um, When you put it in a small, when you're, you know what I mean? When it's one day today and we're talking about all these cramming, all these things in one thing. It makes it seem bigger because it's a lot in a short period of time. You know what I mean? But there was a whole evolution in a, like a process of getting to do those things. Same thing with wrestling. Yeah, there's like a process to it. Which, which brings me to like, like when we met, man. Like I get you. We brought it up earlier at the uh, uh, the 2009. It was a it was a show at the Paradise Lost. Uh, you know, I wrestled Paul Zadora. You were there. Uh, you actually carried me. I took a couple choke slams. You actually carried me to the back, and that was the first night we met. Um, and, uh, from there, uh, I hadn't, we, it was another year or so went by and we, we did a show at Calskate here in yeah. Chico. And, uh, I remember talking a little bit after the show and then I, you got back in touch with Zach and you, you, you had the itch again. You were like, all right, with PCW's in Chico, like, I, I want to get back into this. And, uh, Zach, I think maybe called me and said, Hey, I need you to pick up this rotten guy. And I go, who? And, uh. I thought your name was Randy Rotten, actually, <laughs> for some I reason. I know. I remember that. That was funny. I remember you said that over the phone. I remember when I called you. I was like, look. And I wasn't... I realized how it sounded, you not knowing me. Like, I'm I'm asking for something from the company, but I was like, look, my only thing is, is like, I just... I don't have a car. And, like... And then I'm always worried about my diabetes. So, I'm like, sometimes I might need some juice. <laughs> I remember you, you, you messaged me back. Are you... you you call me back and you're like, I don't know about juice. It's like, but we can probably get someone to give you a ride. It's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. He's like, so you're like, so how do you, who are you? <laughs> like, and I'm like, well, I'm Bradley Rotten. And right, and I feel stupid <laughs> going by my gimmick. But like, I have to explain to you who the fuck I am, right? So I'm like, uh, well, I used to do PCW with Zach. Or whatever, however I said it. I was like, yeah, I'm Bradley Rotten. I used to manage, and I used to uh, manage in PCW. And then you're like, Randy Rotten? And I'm like, no, Bradley. Oh, Randy Rotten. And I'm like, no, Bradley. And then you kind of kept calling me Randy Rotten. I thought I had a great ring, the double R. Um, and then I remember, man, it was your first day uh, back at the work farm in Loma Rica. Um, you know, it was like me, you, and Shoop, and Kimmy, and whoever else. And... Uh, and we did some promos. I was like, "Oh man, okay, so this guy can cut a good promo." And then uh, I took you took you home, and we ended up geeking out over all your wrestling DVDs. And I'm like, "Oh, let me borrow this." And you're like, "Oh man, I, I'll let you borrow this." And we were just like looking at all your all your stuff and just talking wrestling for like an hour after I dropped you off. And um, I just knew I knew you had a passion, and I knew that you probably uh, you knew a lot about wrestling. You could be very helpful to everybody, and you were. And the first person that you were helpful with uh was a guy named fanga um 
So I, I believe it was our it was our next show at Calskate, 2011, right? Yeah. Uh, that was the was that that was um, the Rumble. So, yeah, so you yeah, came yeah. back in the that Rumble was the, with Fang. Flyer with the, <laughs> the oh the horrible flyer, the, the country cheesy, music flyer. Oh, uh, the cheesy old school wrestling flyer <laughs> with the stars. stars with the yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. That looks so 92. Oh, look like a it 92 was, country music show. Yeah, right. Look like a, like where, where am I going? <laughs> wrestling or line dancing? What's going on here? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, but was that a uh, that was Cal State. Uh, last man was that last man. Standing? That was last man standing. That was okay. the Rumble. So Fenga's first match and your f- official thing back was the Rumble. Very short, couple minutes, right? But then really, your first big uh, return, your first big match was in Yuba City. Uh, the following show, it was Fenga's big singles match with Mikey uh, J, Mikey Johnson. Um, and you guys get a promo, and you went out there, and, and just just take me through that, man. Your f- first couple, you know, whatever matches working with Fenga, and uh, he's you know he's green, he's he's never wrestled, right? And he, he's going out there with you, and you're you're getting in there, and he's the crazy Tongan terror. I mean, um, just take me through that, man. Um, I man, how do I? I mean, I remember that. But I have to go back and watch the footage, like to give you detail on the match and what I thought of the match or what, um, you know, what I thought of the performance overall, even myself. Um, I remember though, uh, the thing about Fanga, I mean, I wish I would have been able to do more work with Fanga. He was awesome. I wish I would have got more like a couple years out of that because like, uh, he like, he was like, he was on, like he would just turn it on. Like, when he was Quaid backstage or whatever, he was just straight up nice guy. The nicest guy mellow, I've ever met in wrestling. Yeah, dude. real mellow, real chill. Just like, okay, cool. <laughs> even even like to where he'd, he would rub off on you a little bit. You would be like, ah, okay, cool. I guess I won't be frustrated right now. Because he was just always a cool guy. Um, I always found it funny, though, before he, 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 he turned it on, he would get like almost sick nervous he would he'd be like hey man he'd be like freaking out be like hey ron hey man hey man uh, I'm, pr- I'm freaking out I'm like calm down Fanga. calm calm down i literally i found myself in conversations where i'd be like you would maybe see this in promo where i'm like calm down Fanga. <laughs> you know what he's like yeah, you guys are he, great dude. uh like ca- like ca- like literally like hey man just like chill okay wait 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 till you get to the ring man calm down and i'd be like no chill out it's cool like don't worry about it i'm like you're gonna be great you're always great you're you're always great, man. Yeah. Don't don't sweat the little things. Just go out there and do your best. And, and you know, and then he would, we would have little things where he would tell me what other people told him to do, and I would, I would say I would because who he was working with was who he probably should be listening to, uh, in, in a lot of incidences. Um, so I, I just tried to encourage him to do the best he could and um, to less. I'm gonna try to help to put you over. And uh, let's try to put our thing together over as a group. Let's not, um, you know, not me just put him over and not him just put me over. But by us doing what we do together, we kind of put each other over. Like the audience thinking he's a badass, but hating him partly because of and you. mainly because yeah. of me. That, that was exactly what it was. Right. Uh, the thing too, I mean, God, like you guys only did about, Fenga only had 10 or 15 matches. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was a two year run or so and he, he worked with Shoop and, and, and Samurai and Primetime and Chico Lopez, but I thought his best stuff uh, with you and him uh, was with Matt Carlos uh, for the Inter-California Championship. I thought that was uh, uh, the mo- the best matches he w- he had, and just entertaining the dynamic with you out there and getting involved with Carlos and taking bumps and uh, just take me through the, those first that first couple years back with Fanga. What was your what stood out to you the most? What most fun you guys had together? You think? Oh man, I forgot about the Matt Carlos match. You brought there was three of them, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. I kind of remember that. Well, I don't know why. Like, I have a really hard time with memory unless I'm reminded of it. Or I, this is something I've actually been evaluating a lot. Because a friend of mine had told me that I don't pay attention, and I think that it's not that I don't pay attention, but like if I meet somebody once and then I don't see them for like three or four months, I might not remember that I I met them, or I'll be like, ah, I met you, right? Kind of like not sure. And that's happened where, like, I meet somebody and I don't, I don't see him for a year, and I'm like, D- I did meet you. Oh, I'm sorry. So there's, 
some of that happens. But uh, yeah, I remember those matches. Be I remember working with Matt Carlos being fun, and I remember that whole thing was fun uh, because it it got over. Like people believed Fanga's character, and when I say believed, I mean even to the point of like people that are smart enough, and most fans are. They know we're putting on an act, but they're believing for that moment. They're even when they go home and they go, oh yeah, that's right, he was acting. Man, I wonder what he's like as a normal person, you know. But being at the show and believing that he was Fanga was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about the matches. I know I had a bump spot. Did I have a bump spot in all of them? I think I might have. A lot of it, yeah. For, for the most part, man, you were always I, getting I involved, a lot of, always cutting a promo. Yeah, I remember a lot of uh, apron bumps. Yeah, like I I get up, distract, get knocked. Knocked down. Yep. Um, I did a lot of those. Yeah. I remember at one point I was like, I was almost big. I'm like, God, you can, why don't you drag me in the ring so I can bump this in the center of the ring? <laughs> <laughs> and not that, it, I mean, I never got too mad about it because, like, I did it anyways. It didn't matter. Like, I was going to do it because it was better for the match. And then I watch it back. I'm like, oh, that was cool. That looked good. I was flailing around and yeah. it, it looked good. Um, I I guess the the most fun I had with Bango really was some of the promos, to be honest with you. And not to talk bad about his work in the ring. I think he was good. I think he was he would have been got even better. Yes. I think he would have developed he was already getting to the point to being developing being pretty good. So if you're in a short period in twelve matches already getting to the point to being pretty good, you have a really good chance of being really good. So uh, it was kind of a bummer when he decided to leave, but I understood. And, and he, he and I had to talk about it. He called me, it, which was really, I thought was really nice and respectful. Like, he called me up and he was like, hey, man, you know, like, this is why I can't. And I was like, oh, man, that's a bummer. But thanks for, you know, like, thinking of me and taking the time to, like, just uh, be my my friend and let me know. Um, but I think he, oh, man, we could have done so much. But... I really love the uh, the little the little fucking pond or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna bring that with the fish. That, that with the oh, fish. Oh god! Oh, dude, that was so hilarious. That was just it was so ridiculous that my normal mind of oh, this isn't professional wrestling. And one of Zach's crazy ideas, you know, of the many that he has given to me, like the one about when I was going to be managing JJ. Uh, a JJ being hoisted up like Randy Savage as a, like a king because his name, real name is King. And I'm like, I'm not carrying JJ. <laughs> and, and I remember he looked at me and I didn't even say anything. I just gave him a look and he goes, oh, that's the fuck you. I'm not doing it. Look, <laughs> he goes, you see that guy? That's the fuck you. I'm not doing it. But he was smiling when he was saying it. So I think he was kind of, he was kind of fucking with me a little bit and kind of trying to see what, you know, kind of trying to see if I would uh, take it take a ridiculous idea or deny it. And this one I actually thought wasn't so ridiculous. I mean, it was so ridiculous that it was fucking hilarious. And I thought, oh, this is great. Thank it. And, and I remember Quaid's like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to jump in there. And it was like January. Yeah. Dude. Freezing cold, nasty yeah, it was, water. It was freezing, gross, cold water. Like, I even Bradley Rotten almost was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll stand over here and put you over. Like, But, um, dude, it was so, it was just so funny. And But it, when I watched it back, it wasn't just funny. I think I did an okay job of like, turning it into a, it reminded me of an old, like, um, world-class promo. Or yeah. like, one of those promos where they're outside for no real fucking reason at all. Like, why is this guy near a lake somewhere other than the fact that it's Fanga, right? Yeah. Like, and why is Fanga, re really, why is Fanga in a lake? <laughs> and we were <laughs> doing a couple. fishing, right? He was going yeah. for the, he was attacking the fish or whatever. He was getting food, because right. that's how <laughs> Fanga ate, was, was fish raw out of the, of the sewer. Right. The, the sewer. That's right, I think. Yeah, and there was other promo. I mean, you had him locked in a cage, locked in a shed. I mean, we're always trying to convey that he really was this beast, and uh, you were, you know, you were all he had in his master and stuff. And and we, yeah. it got over good, man. Like you guys were, you guys had chemistry. It was entertaining. He was believable. You were believable. It just worked. And it is a shame it didn't go on longer. Um, 
but from there, uh, you, um, you ended up doing a couple different things. Like you were working with, uh, Sledge for a minute. You were working with, uh, Kikio as, uh, as, uh, Miranda Rotten, right? I love that. Your sister, your sister lover, whatever, whatever yeah, it was. That um, was uh, yeah, that was, I wish that, I, I kind of wish I didn't. I kind of got awkward with that one, I think. And, uh, looking back on it, I think it just made me feel uncomfortable a little bit. And not that Kikio was ever like uncomfortable with me backstage or ever did. She was always really nice. Um, so I don't know why I should have stuck with that because that was kind of that would have been a cool little like that weird play where you don't say you imply what you want people to think and let them think it and say it instead of you saying it. So I kind of wish I didn't do that. But yeah, I did Sledge and then. I didn't do Sledge, but I, <laughs> I, I worked with Sledge, and I enjoyed that, too. That was fun. I, I, it's, it's hard to say sometimes. Sometimes I'm in the mindset of, like, I, as a manager, I don't need to have the other punk rocker. It's clear that I'm, I sort of fall into that category, right? I always wanted to be a Bobby Heenan that would manage different types of wrestlers that were heels. Heels that had a little bit of different pers different types of heel personalities. So then in the end, you have this uh, almost super group of heel personalities. And so, um, but, uh, but uh, on the other hand, I always wanted to work with the Reno Scum because they're punk rock guys, right? So it, I always wanted to have a punk rock guy or a metal guy or the, just the um, anti-hero type guy in my group because I thought that's kind of how my promos came across. And I would, I would think to say that Zach felt the same way and everybody else involved, like helping me develop the character. Like I think they, they sort of encouraged that a little bit too. You know, like they encouraged my, me managing somebody that has a similar personality to me but also trying to encourage me to like whoever it was to try to make me be the reason why people hated him. Yeah. You know? And the idea that I, that I came up with, uh, it was a 2015 and or 20, end of 2014. And we, uh, I remember just thinking, man, you know, prime time had been the champion for a while and he kind of been wrestling, you know, the Carloses and the Drakes and the Ricks. And I was like, we need to bring Paul Zadora, the big giant back in right. and he's, and we need to have Bradley Rotten be his mouthpiece because that's money right there. We got, you got primetime and rotten on the mic with the big giant. Um, and, and I thought that was some really, really good stuff you guys did. Uh, getting real personal with the promos and then, uh, you know, culminating at last man standing with 700 fans in attendance to watch primetime and, and Isadora. Um, gosh, man, what are your memories of that whole angle? That was fucking fun. Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, some of those promos were very personal. And I think a lot of times in promos, it's it was my only outlet for uh, some frustrations I have outside of wrestling, which is why I like promos. It's very, it's the most, it's like music. Zach would always make fun of me, kind of tease me a little bit. I know you remember this, but when I, I make music analogies, but they really are similar in how you write them, how you perform them. Uh, how you do them and the therapeutic aspect of them, like um, doing promos is so therapeutic. That whole thing was a lot of fun because, um, you know, Paul Isadora just was the mean, mean uh, giant and he didn't really have to say anything and he would give these facial expressions and stuff and I would do all the pointing and bad mouthing and saying my uh my giant is gonna crush you and more so i'm really proud of putting over i would say things like um not just my 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 giant is gonna crush you or beat you in a match but he's gonna end your career like i'm gonna be the reason why you don't have pcw anymore i'm gonna be the reason and my guy is gonna be the reason that you don't ever wrestle again then you know that title is going to be no longer yours, and your everything you love and desire is going to no longer be yours. That I think was the fun part about it. I got to put over something that um, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of passion in there. I think there's a little bit of that yelling at the authority figure and the whole punk rock thing of like, don't tell me that I can't play my guitar here. Don't tell me that um, I'm a bad person for um, you know 
wanting to do this certain thing or whatever. It's a little bit different because I'm obviously I'm in character and obviously being a bad person and just in denial of my bad behavior. But um, I always thought that the, that the two were very, very similar. So I got a real good, that whole little thing, that whole little run we did was like uh, real therapeutic for me. And it was fun uh, <laughs> up until uh, my client pooed himself. And I was like, ah, oh, how do I, what do I do? Do I react to this? Because he like, in the middle of the match, wearing white shorts. He grabbed oh, yeah. himself. And looking back on it, I wish I would have just acknowledged it and denied it. So, because there were audience members, I could hear them going, yeah. like, smelling it and pointing it out. And I should have made a fit about it. I should have made a fit that that uh, it was prime time's fault. You know, which would have been kind of funny because uh, maybe by not reacting to it, I was not reacting to something that was obvious, right? But at the same time, I was kind of like, oh, what do I do here? You know? That's a, what, it's, a, it's a shitty what, situation to be in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I had to go wrestle on that mat after that had already happened, too. I'll never forget that night. It was actually the night I won the championship, but it was like, um, yeah. I, I, and then everything you were doing. Go can ahead. I just say, I don't mean not to talk bad about Paul Zadora. I, he's a great guy, and he was always really nice to me, and he was always, he was always, um, for being a, a veteran, he was always willing to, like, listen to me. He go, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, I like that idea. Can we do this? Well, how about this? Okay, yeah, I like that idea. And then we were cool. And it was always, like, it was always fun to work with him. No, he's So I, I don't want to make that sound like, no. But, man, he shit his pants. Yeah. And, man, I smelt it. And, <laughs> man, it was just so obvious. And I was just like, oh, no, not now, no. Because yeah. we had built, like, we had built up pretty good with that thing. And we had, uh, even though the match, if you watch the match, other than that, it's actually not a bad match. It's a pretty good match. No, it was him and Sin. Yeah, it was good. Right. Um, and, and there was so much going on, too, because as you, as you were working with Paul, you know, you're starting to develop this rotten rebellion, this rotten family, and um, propane, I think, was involved. And then, of course, which... Uh, which led to the, the, the single with Chico. And, you know, selfishly, like, I'm glad everything happened the way, like, like with me winning the championship. But if you look back, it was like, gosh, there might have really been something there with Paul Isidora winning the championship or with Chico Lopez winning the championship. Like, there were so many ingredients with you and that whole deal, but um, uh, it, it happened the way it happened. And, and then I think the best work of your career has been with Atticus Lynch. Right. I really, really like you guys together. Um, so, you know, once you transitioned away from Isadora, you really started working with Atticus. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, my thoughts are that also was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed working with Atticus uh, uh, inside and outside of the business, just as a person outside. Um, I didn't, really um you know it's weird i i have you know when you meet somebody and you know them long enough to where like the first time you meet them the first time you met them now almost seems like they were you met a they're like separate people yeah um and i remember him being the guy that hitchhiked and he was he was a fucking dirty hippie <laughs> and i was like ah oh, this hippie guy but I could tell that he kind of got it right right away, and and then as you watched him do progressions, he started doing pretty good. And like I think Zach thought so, and I think you thought so, and a lot of other people did. And then once he got through training good enough to be able to be on the card, he uh, he was like, uh, well, he had been wrestling for a little while as something else. He right? was the I again another genius idea, right? The caveman. <laughs> Like, I mean, he had this gear, and I just, I looked at him, I said, dude, you gotta be the caveman, bro, and don't even speak English, just yell around and be kind of crazy, kind of like Fanga, really, but yeah. in a caveman way, and God, him and Fanga would have been, you with him and Fanga as the caveman, holy shit, but no, he was a caveman, and then, yeah, he transitioned to Atticus Lynch, and he can talk, you know, but it just, with you two together, just kind of feeding off each well, other, it just worked. Yeah, I, I, to say on his talking, um, 
I think we brought out something in each other in that it allowed both of us to not have too much time to talk. So we would have to split it up. So in our minds, I think we would try to weed out the bad in what we wanted to say. And then we would cram in all the good. So you would end up getting two really good sections of the promo. I agree. And, um, I liked working with him. I didn't feel at all like he was taking anything away from me or that I was taking anything away from him. If anything, I I liked some of the promos where he got to talk a little bit more and then I would do my tagline and laugh and go, yeah, what did I tell you? My, my, my client, you know, my client. Um, I also liked the vignette kind of things we did too, where we were playing chess oh, yeah. and... Doing all that kind of stuff was really, really fun. And you got to shout out Mr. Spiffy, too, because he was really the guy behind the camera editing and, and really making your guys' stuff, the black and white, the music and all that, really look at, you know, as good as it possibly could. Yeah, he, you know, uh, he really tried his best uh, with the resources he had. Uh, you know, it's funny, he and I share a birthday. Our birthday is on the same day. Um yeah. He uh, he was I, he would give me rides and stuff, and he would you know he was cool about me just discussing what I think um, makes a wrestling show look good, and some of it he liked I think, and then some of it he he didn't agree with, and then some of it it wasn't that he didn't like he just uh, he, I just think he made a, a big effort to try with the resources he had. I, I understand not having a lot of resources. But he knows how to do video editing, and he it's a long, tedious process. Right. I used to talk to Tom Bacher right, about was, it, yeah. about how, how tedious that really is. And so uh, the stuff he did that, although may seem slightly generic to some people, or, oh, this looks like 90s wrestling. Well, maybe that's the resources we had at the time. Maybe those are the type of the logos. Maybe those are the type of, the pro, type of programs he had. To be able to make it work, and maybe, uh, and over time, I think those programs that he had were slowly getting better. And I think he did a really good job with our promos, um, and he was helpful with the promos too, because he came from a guy learning about the business, studying the business, and being—he's like still a fan of it. It's really weird. Like I don't want to call him a mark, but he's still kind of in as a fan too. So to have him have his per his camera his camera perspective of it and how he's hearing it. Cause remember he's watching it as if he's watching it on TV. Yeah. So he has an outside perspective of how I'm cutting my promo and he was helpful with that. And, and morally quite simply, he would just say, ah, we'll just cut a few things out. It's a little long. We can make it a little shorter, I think. And we, and we would agree and, yeah, it, they would end up pretty good. He was fantastic, and like you said, man, Drake Nelson, Tom Bocci, you know, you you'd seen what kind of work they could do, and you got Mister Spiffy. I think th- those are three of the greatest uh, that we've ever had in, in my experience uh, on the production end of PCW. Man, I think they just Bocci, Nelson, Spiffy, man, they just made PCW better, and uh, they were a part of that. Like I've been saying, right yeah. that that process, that evolution, it doesn't. Uh, Big change doesn't always happen unless you get lucky and you win a million dollars. You know what I mean? Big change doesn't happen like that. Change happens over time. That's why they say that in in therapy and in AA and NA and all that stuff. That's why there's a step program because you have to do it in small steps. And like we're talking now, like I was saying earlier about the flogging molly and all these little accomplishments, they took a long period of time. And when you put it, cram it into a small period of time, like just sitting down and talking about it, you realize uh, that it seems even more bigger. And then that's, I think, when your brain starts to really, you have perspective and start really appreciating. Because then you get then you get the chance to compare the negative things in, in a positive way. Like, well, I guess the negative things aren't that negative if in a span of a few years of time, in a few different times, I got to do, pro like I did pro wrestling for... Roughly seven years, I guess, a year the first time, or maybe not even that, and then like six years the second time. And then I did music. I went on tour by myself. Uh, well, with my friend Brian, I did that. I put out my own CDs. I did, I've did. i done like a lot of cool stuff. So like 
uh, when you think of it that way, Drake and Tom Bocci and Spiffy and everybody that has done camera work or has um, pitched in on flyers or printed posters or printed banners, you know, people that just got the in with the, the printing company and got banners made, you know, people that donated uh, canvases and tape for the ropes and all that stuff, like, it's all a slow, eventual process. We just don't think of it because we look at the bigger picture and we want the bigger picture now. It is, and you're right, man, and it's, it's process and you start from the, literally, I mean, it's, it's it's cliche, but you start from the bottom and you, you do what you did, like, you're busking outside of stores and then you're opening for Flogging Molly and then, you know, you're a fan of wrestling and you're just showing up kind of shy at training and 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 then let's let's talk about it, man. Your, your last night in wrestling as we record, you're going out there with Atticus Lynch and Chico Lopez and uh, you know, Carl Fredericks and Jacob Fatu, and the and the big deal is, man, Al Snow. I mean, man. it's like you do all these little things and, and all these promotions, and, and you do a lot here uh, for PCW, and you're, you know, there's frustration, and there's, you know, not getting paid or whatever it is, and then, well, wait a second, here I am at this packed building, and I'm I'm working with freaking Al Snow. How the hell did I do this? How did I get here? And I, I, I honestly don't know how I got there. I really don't know how the fuck I ended up doing that and was able to. I'm thankful for it. I look back on the footage and I think um, I'm real critical of the work and I don't think I did a very great job. Um, I, I thought the match was good. I thought uh, it was brilliant on Al Snow's part because he really made the match simple. And I remember him talking to us. Uh, before the match, we all gathered around, and he kind of talked about what he wanted to do. And I remember uh, he just went around to everyone and kind of explained. Um, I mean, he made it real simple. It was it was like, okay, just kind of keep doing this and kind of keep doing this, and now I'm going to do this, and now I'm going to do this again, and oh, maybe we can do this kind of thing, but keep it simple. Like, because he is assuming that we all know the formulas, right? And if you're working with Al Snow, he shouldn't have to go through a whole match with you in great detail. He should be able to kind of tell you what he would like to do. And I remember the rest of the boys kind of each individually um, kind of asked if things were okay. Uh, I don't remember what Bright said to him. I remember he, he talked to him, or excuse me, Atticus. Um... Uh, sorry, folks, I, I refer to people by their real names at times, so, uh, um, and, and I remember he came to me, and he's like, okay, I assume you're the manager, he's like, okay, he's like, I think he said something like, uh, do, I don't know, remember if he asked me if I wanted to get heat, or, um, if he said something along the lines of, like, um, where do you want to get your heat, or he explained where I get my heat, um, it was something along those lines. And I remember discussing, like, uh, you know, doing the... I think he asked me, um, you know, what I know how to do. It wasn't like what I like to do. It was more like what I know how to do. I was like, well, I do the choke on the ropes a lot. Um, I'll grab for the foot um, unless somebody tells me to get up on the apron and distract, you know, and then usually I, I bump on the apron. And, or something along those lines. It wasn't a very long conversation, but it was a short, like, kind of getting a what's up. And then, uh, I honestly don't even remember if I had a little distraction spot, except for I, I remember, um, Jacob, um, Jacob Fatu feeding to me and then getting himself in a position to, to be able to be draped across the ropes. So I could slap him or punch him or choke him. And I was really, really thankful for that. Cause like, um, you know, he didn't have to do that. Like it, he didn't have to make an effort to make me be a part of the show. So I thought that was really cool. I don't remember. Um, I don't think I had any reaction with Al Snow or even had, I don't even think he turned to me even in like a situation where he's like he's cheating or he's trying to cheat or anything like that. I remember watching the match and I remember 
kind of being nervous a little bit just because I was out there without snow. Um, I remember being very excited. It was kind of like it was it kind of tripped me out. But at the same time, I was kind of like, I think I was burning out on wrestling a little bit and just burning out on, like you said, not getting paid and all that, just all the other shit that, like, people don't really think about. A lot of people just go, oh, you're doing what you like, but they don't think about all the other stuff that kind of goes along. Which brings me, I don't mean to cut you off, but which brings me to these couple questions we got here from some listeners of the show. Uh, Scott Fontana basically wants to know is, is what happened, man? Why, why, why aren't you with PCW anymore? Why'd you leave? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I didn't really leave and I didn't really get fired either. Um, there was a work bar more show and I was to get a ride from somebody. Um, I was downtown or, around town busking before the show so that I would have money in my pocket. Um, that then turned into uh, the, the person that was giving me a ride showed up at my house and I wasn't there yet. And then so I missed my ride and then I was trying to get a ride from as many people as I could and nobody responded to me or I think wanted to give me a ride. So I ended up not going. I finally called Zach and was like, hey, I can't make it to the show. Like I, I you know, I missed my ride and I couldn't get a ride and I can't, can't be there. And then, uh, there was some tension there. I don't remember what he said. I don't think he yelled at me though, but I, he was upset, you know, that I wasn't able to be there, but it was a mis it was a big miscommunication problem too. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, honestly, man, like I didn't get paid for any of it. And okay. There's the argument of, uh, was my work worth paying? Uh, when, when there were times when my work was, I would consider kind of shits, kind of shitty and not great, not good. I thought I cut a pretty good promo. Um, there were some things behind the curtain that people don't know that I made a very, a big effort to help the company with because I wasn't, uh, really directly making them money. There was a, an argument always and it, and it, goes back to the um just like kind of the wcw thing of one person would tell you one thing and then another person would kind of tell you another thing and you never there's always one person in charge but there was always just a miscommunication of things and um i uh you know i wasn't really getting paid and then i was doing things i was trying to do things behind the scenes that would be helpful for the company but then when i tried to present those things they got denied or they got rejected or they um it became an argument or it became a struggle to try to get someone to listen to me then it sort of became basically it built up to me sort of becoming have people having the view of me being like complaining or um not trying hard enough or not making a contribution or not it all turned into all of the negative sides of what was happening as opposed to focusing on the positive, which was I was really trying to um, do other things to help the company. And then there was, I think, some tension came from like one minute I didn't have to sell tickets and then the next minute I did. And obviously I do need to sell tickets. Everybody puts in an effort. Um it's a really weird thing because, um, again, it's, it's also like music. I didn't get people buying tickets to that show with Floggy Molly. Floggy Molly did. Floggy Molly is the headliner. Floggy Molly is the Al Snow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you have to show them that Bradley Rotten is a reason that people are coming. And being a manager, that's really difficult. Um, I, I'm not making excuses saying, oh, it was difficult and it's Zachary's fault and everybody else's fault. I'm not saying any of that. I think there was a lot of miscommunication. And then simply like my continuous struggle with not having a car, uh, being on disability, you know, the disability thing is really tough. I do not make an average of money above the cost of living. So I miss out on a lot of things. And it's a very difficult thing because like, and I don't want to get into it too much because my head will spin. But it, I think that people, um, it's hard for people to understand that perspective because um, it's really easy to view that as, 
almost like the uh, millennial thing where um, I'm entitled. Give me this. I'm on disability, so give me everything. And that's not the case. But the reality of it is, is this, those situations make it very difficult for me to even achieve some of these goals. So when I get to like do this kind of thing and talk about it, it's actually really neat because again, we, when you look back on it, you kind of go, well, wow, you know, okay, well, there's all the shitty things involved with it and there was tension at times, but I still, in the end, and I hope it doesn't get viewed as I just used them, unless, you know, you want to look at me as literally Bradley Rotten, then yeah. That was another thing I kind of started to become Bradley Rotten. <laughs> I started to not care that if I pissed somebody off on the car ride, I didn't care. It didn't matter because I was like, well, they don't fucking care anyways. You know, I started kind of having that attitude of like, well, you know, they don't like me anyways. So why should I even separate the reality me and the rotten me and the rotten me is really just me when I'm frustrated with the volume turned up so I, it kind of started to be a bad thing so even though I didn't quit and Zach didn't really fire me it was one of those weird things like when I left the homeless shelter and my counselor was like Brad you know you really don't need to be here she's like you're capable of living on your own it's gonna be rough but you're capable of living on your own so it was almost like the same feeling where it was like you know, I know you're not doing this purposely, but I'm causing tension and you're causing tension. It's almost like when you break up with your girlfriend, but nobody breaks up with each other. You just kind of agree to just fucking leave. You're just like yeah. packing up your shit and you're like, well, I guess we're not going to say it, but both of us, one of us is leaving this house and we're kind of packing up our stuff and, and ending it. So that's kind of how it ended. And, and it didn't really end on bad terms. I don't think think it did in terms of like nobody was yelling at each other although me and Zach did I guess we did have a heated conversation afterwards about how I didn't make a contribution and all this other stuff and like I don't want to bury Zach either I don't want to like talk shit and just be an asshole there were some things though like that that I, that were said that like really offended me because I was like well, wait a minute it's not like I didn't try to make a contribution like there were some big things I tried to help the company with and then it kept circulating around to my work and was my work good or was my work not good and then it was just like in the end I was just like oh this you know what man all of this really isn't worth arguing this much about it's not worth getting mad about for either one of us it's not it's just not worth it uh I don't remember the conversation ending too heated, but I just remember that it was a heated conversation and it was kind of, we, neither one, like Zach didn't say you're fired or I didn't say I fucking quit, but we just kind of left it at that and it kind of never went anywhere from there. Um, and then everybody just kind of like disappeared. I, I mean, I see people online and I, I, uh, I comment on their posts sometimes, but I don't always get a response. I usually don't. Um, but that's all understandable too. Like, I'm not mad at anybody about it. I'm not, um, it just is frustrating to have any kind of work considering my situation. And I have to do like under the table or uh, independent contractor type work because I'm on disability. And um, I'm not even really supposed to be busking. Like disability calls me at, from time to time and asks me about my busking. And like, they'll ask me, well, what's your average? Well, what do you make? Well, I don't, make the same every day so it's uh you know i don't want those things to sound like they're complaints but it is very difficult when you you're doing an art form and then a lot of the time most of the time you're being told that you're doing a good job and then when the, the tension comes and then pretty soon and then you start going well am i going to get paid for this Hey, are you going to start paying me? And then you hear, well, let me crunch the numbers. Well, let me look into this. Well, let me look. You go, well, am I doing okay? Like, Yeah, no, I, I know, you know the feeling, brother. And then, and then pretty soon you're just like, well, why am I doing this without pay? And then, and then you start overanalyzing things or overthinking uh, yourself. Like I do it with music too, where I'm just like, is it wrong that I'm busking? Is it, is it, are you not booking me shows because I'm busking? Am I, am I really taking it that bad? Am I taking it that hard? Do I really have a bad attitude? 
Is it because I don't have money to go out to to shows and socialize? It's like all that stuff really eats at you. And um, the funny thing is that I don't feel like I'm that disabled. I think I'm, I don't think disability should be judged uh, based on what's more, what's like, like, okay, a guy in a wheelchair, is he more disabled than me? Well, okay, kind of, because he can't walk, but then how do you gauge that? I can't see very well. I can't see across the street sometimes. You've seen me at night. It's not fun. I, I almost run into people when I'm walking downtown. And I'm not saying that's anyone's fault. I'm just saying it's a weird thing to me about society that we, how we look at what is disabled and what isn't disabled. But back to wrestling, the truth is Zach owns a business and he has a job. And when I'm billed to be on the card, even if I'm not on the fucking flyer, um, I'm supposed to be on the card. People expect me to be there. So there's two sides of it. Like, I kind of understand where Zach is coming from, and I kind of understand where uh, the misinterpretation that some people in the business might have had of me. Like, I know you know, like, I'm really quiet backstage. I really don't talk to anybody. Sometimes I pace, and I, I, I like, um, I look. I look like I'm a lunatic. I look like I'm frantic. Like I'm, I'm always like not knowing where to go. Uh, Paul Isadora said it to me once. He said, "Hey, man, are you all right? You you look you always look lost." <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks, Paul," but I was I was always kind of pacing back and forth, or like kind of like going trying to go from one group to another, or like I couldn't. I don't know if it was nervousness or if it's a social anxiety thing or uh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's all of those things. Well, I think but that's why I stopped doing wrestling. That's why I, I kind of disappeared. Well, I think you've always been uh, willing to put the work in, man, like over the years with, with everything, with promos and, and, you know, ticket sales when you could. And one thing I remember, we, we, uh, it was one of the last shows in Chico and we almost, we got in a heated argument, me and you. Which it happened from time to time, um, but I, this this was bad. It was you know, I, I was going through some things in my life, and I just remember feeling really bad with the, with some the, with what I said to you or whatever. Because you were just trying to put together an after party and you know get things going with with, uh, with the radio station, and you had all these ideas, and I was just so overwhelmed with what was going on and and i just uh i remember but we eventually did uh we sat down and we all got on the same page and i thought it was one of the, the coolest things uh was to do that show we did in chico and then to go on over to the maltese and you did your music show and um and it was it was just one of the one of the greatest times and i, I wish we could have done more of that you know and because you were always willing to do whatever you you could to to, to make things better, you know, whether it was you being a part of the after party or pitching ideas, you know, for production or, or anything, man, you were always, uh, on top of that. And, uh, Philip Parr, you know, with our, with our last question here, uh, just wants to know if you will ever be back in pro championship wrestling. Well, as, um, good old JR says there, you know, tomorrow, there's no guarantees for tomorrow, but, um, I'd like to, you know, I would like to eventually, come back to wrestling altogether you know pcw i you know we didn't even get to talk about i did i did one show with gold rush which was i was thankful for and i did some ggp shows which some may <laughs> argue and say that they were shit shows but they were still fun they were i still got to work with the other guys yeah. like you know you i got, got to, to be in a rumble or something right? yeah i did i actually got to work in a rumble that i was absolutely terrible in and i actually i was in a tag match which was I, it was weird because I didn't, there, again, a, a miscommunication of like whether or not it was supposed to be, I was supposed to be managing or I was supposed to be in the match. But I, I got to do a little spot where like with, where JJ dropped me on some, JJ King dropped me on someone. So I got to do a lot of those things and that was a lot of fun. And I do miss, uh, I do miss Sundays like getting the ride home and uh, let me see that too. I want to make sure everybody in the business that has known me or rode in a car with me or given me a ride to work farm or from work farm or to a show or from a show and out of town, even to other shows, just to go to shows. Will Roberts has taken me like all the APW shows and Gold Rush shows I've been to, or actually I didn't go to, I don't think I went to any APW shows then. Um, I, uh, but I did get to go to some Gold Rush shows and I did just go and see him in Bay Area. Like I would, he every once in a while, he even brought me to his house for Christmas, which was 
even though I'm not one bit religious, I still am very thankful that all those people did that. Like feeding me when my blood sugar got low and all that shit. I want to make sure that everybody knows that like some of the things I get frustrated about doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the other stuff. I'm just now working hard on trying to get my brain to uh, have a better perspective on those things and um, just be a better person in general. But yeah, I would love to come back to BCW at some point. I think there will. I think big or small, even if I were talking about Vince McMahon, I'd probably tell you, yeah, probably, you know, I'd probably, because all the guys do. Anybody, I just heard that Hogan's going to come, going to come back. Somebody had told me they had read about it. So, I mean, and, you know, even if, even if Zach and I did have heat, like him, and there was some heat there, um, I think it's okay, and I think that's, business is like that sometimes, especially the wrestling business, and I think I'll probably, hopefully one day, um, have another person that comes along that is, uh, understands my situation, is okay with, um, me getting a ride there, you know, I, I would really like to, um, do I would really like to develop my my other business idea I've, I've kind of told you about maybe that's something we can talk about some other day if you come back and do more podcasts um, I I would like to be doing something in wrestling and contributing something even uh, in terms of a like a PCW um, Chico branch something where I get a couple bucks to flyer every once in a while or I get a free t-shirt every once in a while or something doing some work feel like I get to have some work and do something I enjoy that's kind of where I'm at with everything my music and all that stuff like I just I honestly really just want to um I don't want people to view me as just a guy that wants to take from people I want to like I want to do I want to do something with my time you know the way I look at it is like once you're cut with that entertainment knife, <laughs> that scar is always going to be there. I don't know. I just thought that in my head just now. Just yeah, kind of crazy. No, but, like, once you're in, you're always in, man. It's, yeah. Once it's in your blood, I mean, it's in your blood forever. And I feel the same way. Like, I'm I'm not with PCW anymore. But I know that, like, well, <laughs> yeah, that it, things can always change. And, and things, um, that, you know, you never know what the future holds, man. So, looking back at everything, bro, we've gone a hell of a long time here. This might be the longest interview in Mitch Please history, but I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we did it. And uh, is there anything else, man, like any any memories over the years, maybe that stand out as just some of the, the greatest times that you've had in, in entertainment? Not uh, to sound cheesy or corny, but I think all the ones that I do have do sort of surround good times with people that I liked being around even when there were times of argument or heat or whatever um in wrestling i'd say that um just working with with uh the work farm guys and working with zach and uh you know james and scotty and i mean there's certain time periods but i'm really appreciative of all of them i really missed uh i really loved working with james and and scotty that i have there's some pretty good fond memories there. And again, drinking with Bear and like <laughs> hanging out with Bear and talk, you know, bullshitting. Um, yeah, those are the early highlights and working with Schizo, learning from Schizo and Zach. And then, you know, then when I came back, of course, um, in all the time that I was gone, you know, watching and seeing like AJ Kirsch. Uh, become what he is now and really he worked hard to get where he's at and getting acting gigs and getting uh, these just these uh, seminar gigs and working hood slam and doing just doing all these things it was cool to have be able to see him and have him come around and he kind of remembered me and kind of like was always nice to me that was always nice because um, I always felt like I didn't do near I didn't I didn't do nearly as much as um, I was kind of put over as I did. You know what I mean? I felt well, a lot like of people I don't know because I wanted to mention earlier, like you actually gave AJ Kirsch the flyer to the work farm. So really, in reality, it's like, you know, you kind of started his whole career in entertainment by letting him know about PCW. <laughs> I, well, okay, you could say that, but I, I wouldn't go that far. I, you know, I might have been, I was the person that gave him the flyer, that gave him a reason to get his foot in the door, and yeah. that's probably about as much credit as I can possibly take for that. 
because everything else is all his doing. I didn't drive him to the places no. to go train. I didn't, you know what I mean? But yeah, it is kind of, it's kind of cool. I get what you're, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's kind of neat. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like, oh, wow, I was, wow, he, I was the person that gave him the flyer. I was flyering with him and, and I was probably flyering with Drake, I, I think, if I remember correctly. Probably Drake. wearing your lucha mask. Pro Oh yeah, that's right. Drake and I were wearing lucha. Mask. Oh man, I dude, you got to bring the lucha mask back. I've been telling you since you, when you were telling me about the lucha mask. I'm like, dude, you got to bring that lucha mask back at least for one show. Right. I, I think um, when I do, uh, well, I should be on a 15 year anniversary of nothing left. Now I've been here 15 years. Yeah. So yeah, I should probably do a. Although I don't know that anyone would really care. To be honest with you, I kind of fell off in the show department too. It's like, um, you know, I just kind of stopped playing, stopped having resources. And, and, you know, eventually like, um, other people need to come along and play and, and the scene goes in and out and, um, I just don't play quite as much, but I would like to, I would, I would love to play, uh, more shows and I would love to do a, like, uh, in a 15 year anniversary, nothing left show in like, being able to have a platform to get as many of my local, as many local bands that have been around for years to play one show and just like have fun for a night and like do the thing. You know what I mean? Hell um, yeah. uh, and recently, like more bands have been like my friends from Southern California have been contacting me to play up here. So I've been doing that. Like I've been trying to get my friends uh, by all means to come up. Unfortunately, they uh they wanted to book the the third of December, which is the same day that Pennywise and um H two O are playing, and they're a real similar type of punk rock. Like actually, they should be playing that show. Um, but I've been trying to help them out. Uh, no luck so far, but that's okay. I think I hope that they'll maybe I'll get lucky and they'll want to just come through town anyway, so I get to hang out with them and like have lunch with them or whatever. Because um, I don't get to see them that much anymore, other than on the internet. And then, uh, yeah, man, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't even know where to end this. Well, you're uh, still, well, brother, you're still putting out music. You're still doing the damn thing. And, uh, I mean, where can people find you on the social media? Uh, they can find me on Facebook, uh, both my Bradley Rotten and uh, my Bradley Justin Finney, which is me. But I have a nothing left acoustic punk in, uh, in quotations. Um, and that's like my music page that's lined up with my, my personal Bradley Justin Finney page. So if you go to my Bradley, Justin Finney, uh, Bradley Justin Finney page with the intent of looking up my nothing left, go to my nothing left page. Cause eventually I'll be putting more stuff up there and more songs and stuff. Um, and yeah, I still use my Bradley Rotten page every once in a while. I was trying very hard to do a podcast, but I have, I got recording equipment and my recording equipment doesn't, it needs to have phantom power. So I don't have phantom power for it. And I talked to you before about the, uh, the recording program. So I've just been having problems with that, but maybe one day I'm hoping that, uh, I'll be able to do a podcast. I did an interview with Jody Christofferson way back in the day when I was still, you know, doing, uh, doing wrestling. And it just never got released. And I'd like to release it now, especially since um, I heard he, he can't be wrestling anymore. Same thing with uh, Will Roberts. I heard they both got injured. So um, I would like to be able to put that out. But yeah, people can get a hold of me there. And um, yeah, just uh, even if you go to the Bradley Justin Finney to um, book me a, a music show, hit me up there and just message me, uh, you know, just give me the information where you're from and, you know, what what you want and um i'd be more than happy to play i love to play shows and i love to um I, I even love helping organizing and you know the promoters in town sometimes will be like hey well do you want me to help get local bands or hey can i have this night or do you have any open nights so um yeah just uh contact me there and um feel free to just uh, be friendly i guess you know no hate mail, please. <laughs> well, there you go, man. One, one hell of a story. 
uh, Bradley Rotten, nothing left, bro. Appreciate you coming back on the show, and and I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this show up right now. You can uh, you can follow me on uh, social media, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, and Twitter at Heartbreaker MV, Mitch Valentine on Facebook, and of course this show right here, Facebook.com/slash Mitch Please Podcast. Make sure you like it and share it. Invite your friends and uh, YouTube.com/slash The Mitch Valentine. Man. You can find every episode of Mitch Please, the first one me and Rotten did, uh, and I've had him on also to talk wrestling and so many other great guests uh brian cage and and uh you know prime time and jody christopherson uh donovan troy the classic connection i mean god just so so many different guests uh so check that out guys and uh, i will be doing one more episode of this and yeah and who knows what will happen from there i hope uh everybody enjoyed the show and right now we're gonna go ahead and kick it over to my man bradley rotten and nothing left Thank you very much. Here's a really old one. Like, really old. Like, seriously, it's like almost over 10 years old. And uh, I don't want to uh, bring down the uh, house or anything, but uh, I'm going to dedicate to those that have uh, people that I look up to or people that uh, I admire, friends and stuff that have passed or are no longer with us. It's called Fallen Heroes. Here we go. Woo! 